welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning, everyone. It's Jessica. Welcome to episode 211 of the podcast. It's a Mom of the Month Award episode today, and I have a truly extraordinary mom to share with you today that was nominated by a dear friend of hers. So I'm really excited to announce that, but at first I wanted to acknowledge Natalie Norton for coming on the show on Tuesday. Have you listened to that one? One of my favorites, one of my very favorites. And if you heard me get teary, I kind of asked some questions like I was asking for a friend, but really I was asking for me. (laughs) Could you tell? (laughs) Sometimes I feel like I'm just in a season of a lot of input, like I'm listening to a lot of great podcasts. Um, I've, you know, gone to therapy over the last year. All of these things that have put so many new, great, important, clarifying ideas in my mind. But then the actual implementation of it, I feel, is really the challenge. It's not hard to take in information. It is really hard to change with that information. It does not mean that's impossible, but it means you have to give yourself space in order for those new truths to settle. And I feel like that's kind of the phase that I've been in over the last year. And while I have seen a lot of growth and positive change, both mentally, physically, just everything, there's still a part of me that knows that I know better on some things, some pits and some traps that I'm still continually falling into that are not serving me. Um, And so Natalie's conversation and her wisdom just really resonated with me, and I hope it did for you too. I know it is. I'm getting hearing from so many of you that are just loving it. Make sure you're sharing the show. If you have a podcast episode specifically that you are just loving and being inspired by, if you will screenshot that episode and share it on your social media, be sure to tag me so that I know that it's being shared so I can give you a virtual hug. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes so you're never missing an episode. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for for being a part of this community and for constantly um, inviting your friends in as well. Because as we hear from these women, these stories will change us, will change our lives, will change our perspectives. And even when that changes in a very small way, sometimes the small changes and the small recognitions of what is possible that can be really powerful. So thanks Natalie again for coming on the show. And now we're going to get to our Extraordinary Mom of the Month award episode. This month's winner is Melanie Hartzell. Melanie is an extraordinary mom who went through something really, really challenging in this past year. And she's going to share about that with us, about how her grief has changed um, since the initial tragedy to today, how she's doing and how you can get through hard things too. So let's get to it with Melanie Hartzell, our Extraordinary Mom of the Month Award winner. All right. I want to welcome Melanie Hartzell to the show. Hi, Melanie. Hi, Jessica. How are you? Thank you for having me here. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Well, your friend Shonda reached out and nominated you this month. And so we're just going to start by me reading her touching nomination to you, okay? 
Okay. Okay, so she says, Melanie is an extraordinary mentor to children's, teens, and moms. Over the last 20 or so years, she's created many groups and communities that bring homeschool mothers together to support each other and grow together while doing amazing work of educating their families and discovering the leader within themselves. Melanie is an example of faith, hope, and action as she spreads awareness of mental illness and suicide prevention. I walked with her and other amazing friends in the 17-mile overnight walk for suicide prevention in honor of her son on Team Aaron's Angels, and it was life-changing. I love Melanie, and I'm so grateful for her strength, her voice, and her friendship. More people should hear from her, and today they will, Melanie. So many will hear your story today and feel strength from the road that you have walked so I'm really grateful you're willing to, to share with us today. Will you just give a little background on your family, Melanie? Yes, I have five children. My husband, John, and I have five children. And we have the first four children came um, in eight years. And then we had a 14-year space before our youngest daughter was born. So can that's we, can we just talk about that for a sec? <laughs> what was that 14 years after you thought you were done and you get a positive pregnancy test I'm guessing that was not planned no. what was the sentiment like what was the initial sentiment and then obviously you love your dear daughter now but <laughs> yes I I do I I was surprised I will admit that um but you know I always felt like and I, my husband and I had talked about this many times over the years I've always felt like there was one more really child in our family but Either the time wasn't right, you know, anyway, it just never happened. And then <laughs> so it did. I, I come to terms to peace with that, that, well, you know, it, it just is what it is. Um, and just moving forward. Yeah. So it was, it was a, it was a big surprise. It wasn't the sort of thing where I was distraught or upset, but I was very surprised. Yeah. Telling people was. <laughs> Right. It was very funny, too, to see reactions, actually. Yes, and you have a granddaughter close in age to your daughter. Very close in age, right? Yes. Yes, (laughs) I have two granddaughters who are actually who are older. So you're um, living out the father of the bride part two. That that was always my dream. I always loved that movie. So to me, that sounds really fun. (laughs) That's how I told my, um, my siblings. Oh, my gosh. I sent them a clip from the movie I found a little clip from that and said okay this is real life this is what no that's hilarious and then then attached a picture of the (gasps) ultrasound oh (laughs) my gosh that is the best reveal ever (laughs) that is incredible yeah oh my gosh and so you went on to have your darling lavender and you were, you know, just doing doing the mom life and everything. Tell me about right. the next season of your life as she's been growing and what you've been facing recently. Well, it's it has been a joy to have her. I, I really feel like the reason that she was sent to our home at this late date, <laughs> it was a – we. My husband and I call her our, our 25th anniversary present. Um, she was born a couple months before our 25th anniversary. and But we really do feel like she came at this time um, as a blessing to our family. She really has been a, a source of comfort and strength and healing um, with several difficult things we've, we've gone through since she's been born these past, she's almost six, um, these past six years. And 
uh, particularly since we've gone through the past year, the loss of our second son, Aaron. Hmm. Yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, it's obviously kind of, I think, every parent's worst nightmare to lose one of their children, not something you ever expect. And, of course, it was a... It was a shock. Aaron had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder about 15 months um, before he passed away, but he was, he had gotten treatment. He was doing very well. He was um, back at, at school and college and by all accounts seemed to be doing well. Mm. And so it was a shock to get the news um, that he had died by suicide uh, I think the worst thing was actually telling our other children. Oh. I had to do that over the phone for our other three children, except for Lavender. And that was that was really probably the most difficult thing I've ever had to do in, do in my life. I and then to tell my little um, five-year-old, she just turned five at the time, too, that her brother was gone. Um and talk about such, yeah. such difficult things with her at such a young age. Right. But Oh, I'm she, so sorry. I'm so, so sorry for that loss. And I, and being a mom, we try to role model for our kids, you know, how to do hard mm-hmm. things, how to get through hard things. Right. But the loss is so monumental. And the grief, I'm sure, came in some ways, in ways you'd expect, in some ways probably you didn't expect. So to be a model for your kids through that, how were you kind of able to navigate that or were you even thinking about it at that early time? Um, I was. I I wasn't sure, you know, exactly what the, the path would look like. At, at, first, at first, I don't really think I was thinking about grieving. I was just thinking about getting through mm-hmm. each day, making all the decisions we need to needed to at the time. And I really did feel like we were carried through that process by, by angels, by mm. all of our friends, uh, people who brought us food, who brought us, who came and helped clean our house, who brought us gifts, who helped pay for um, expenses. Our daughter was over in China at the time and it was very expensive for her to come home and all of that. Just so much generosity and love poured mm-hmm. out on us. Mm-hmm. And that was that was really wonderful. And and then as time went on, um, I, I, I expected that after we lost our son that I would go through a difficult period and then, then I, things would start to go uphill. Sure. And that it would just be kind of an uphill path to healing. And... It didn't quite look that way. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about that. Um, Well, in some ways, things got harder. They definitely got harder. And I I found that I needed more help than I expected. Mm -hmm. I found that I really did need to talk to other people who had been through similar things. I had some friends who, who reached out to me. But I, I needed even more than that, and my husband and I uh, went to therapy um, for quite a while, and we also started attending several support groups, one for survivors of suicide loss and another one for bereaved parents. Mm. And 
I was shocked at how helpful those groups were and continue to be. We're still really? still attending those those groups. How wonderful that those resources are available. And why do you think, especially the support groups, why was it so helpful to talk to other people? You know, because you might think, oh, how depressing to hear about these other stories. That might right. be what some people think. Um, how how did it serve as as a form of hope and support for you instead of keeping you in a negative space. Do you know what I mean by that? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was kind of the viewpoint I had. Sure. Why would I go and and do that? But as time has gone on, of course, I'm, I'm busy living my life, busy raising my daughter, doing all the things that I, that I'm doing. And I sometimes don't give myself the time and the space to grieve, to focus on my own healing. And, to really think about my son Aaron and to let myself cry about it. And so Mm -hmm. when I go to these support groups, it's a time and a space set aside for me to grieve and for also for me to heal. Mm -hmm. And as I hear other people's stories, some who, most of whom are further along the path, but some who aren't quite as far, I'm able to have hope that, look, they've all gone through this you know a similar experience and they're doing well they might have different challenges than I do but they're finding they're finding a path they're finding a way to heal to continue living and thriving and and I I feel that way too as I go to these groups and as I hear hear from others and as I share my story it gives me a chance to to talk about Aaron to think about him and to focus on my own my own healing and grief process. Well, and really it sounds like a form of self-care, right? You're giving yourself the space that in this season, yes, you'd probably rather be at a spa doing other things, but in this season, (laughs) like this is what really is restorative to you. Yes. And so in each, for each of us, regardless of what we're experiencing in our life, like what does self-care look like to you? Is it as simple as painting our nails like it is Mm -hmm. for me and that feels good and uplifting to me? Or is it going to a support group? Is it going to therapy? Is it uh-huh. exploring a new hobby? Whatever it is, but what is restorative to your soul in that season? And this is this is it for you. And I'm sure you hope that it won't always have to be like this. But for now, right. I'm sure it's really hopeful. It, it is. And, and I, I have hope now that the things that I've gone through, I can be a support and Mm -hmm. I can strengthen other people who go through difficult things I one of the things I I had kind of an amazing experience um I had found out about this the walk that Shonda mentioned that's the um, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention yes they uh I was I was on um a trip with my husband in January of 2017 and I saw a poster on the metro for a walk called the overnight out of the darkness walk and and I thought, that's cool. I wonder what that is. And I just took a picture of it. And later as I was going through my vacation photos, I thought I should look up that website and see what it is. And I found out it was a walk for suicide prevention. And I had a a, a friend I knew who'd, who'd passed away due to suicide. And I thought, well, that would be a nice thing to do. Maybe I should do do that walk. Hmm. But the date didn't, didn't work for me. And... But it wouldn't, it kind of wouldn't leave my mind. And one day, early in March, I just had the strongest feeling that I needed to do this walk. And I thought, okay. 
So I called up my sister and I said, hey, I'm going to do this walk. Um, do you want to do it with me? And to my surprise, she agreed. And so we sat on the phone together, um, registering, making you know our web page, doing all the things we needed to do to per- get started on um, being registered for this walk. Mm-hmm. And it was as I had just finished my registration and just finished my personal page for that, that we got the news. No. No. It's, uh, and so I knew that it wasn't, that, that, that was the way I was being prepared for this. Oh, that gives me chills. Yeah. (sighs) Wow. And and I'm, I'm grateful I was able to do that walk with my friends to raise, we raised over $10,000 for suicide prevention. And I've done a couple of other walks as well. Um, for mental mental health mm-hmm. and I I love being able to do things like that where I can reach out and help help other people yeah that's that's healing for me sure very healing sure absolutely and no parent would ever sign up to be a part of this community or to be a mom of a child who lost their battle this way but right, right. but it is what it is and right. and, the, and the way that you're able to fuel your life's mission and and helping others and everything that has to give you a little boost especially on the hard days i'm sure it does it it does make a difference that is incredible that is incredible um and so when you say raising funds for suicide prevention and everything what does Mm -hmm. that actually look like like what can we do what do we need to know as parents to help prepare and prevent it, no one's immune from this. You have a very healthy, happy family and right. everything. And, right. you know, you probably would have never thought this was going to be part of your story. And so what does that look like? What do you want to, parents to know? And what can we do to be part of that prevention process? Well, I really think it, it goes back to an understanding of mental health. Sure. And to, to start with that, to, I guess be aware ourselves and teach our children that our brain is an organ just like every other part of our body and it's part of our physical body so mental illness is really a physical illness so to kind of get rid of that sometimes we separate as as if it is a totally separate thing Mm -hmm. but our brain can get sick just like other parts of our bodies Mm. can get sick Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's very minor just like we might get a cold sometimes we just have a little fog or something in our brain that isn't you know isn't quite right and sometimes those challenges are more or more serious but 20 percent of children experience mental health issues that's that's not a a small percentage or you know just something that will affect an occasional child Mm -hmm. here and there and so i feel like it starts with being open to talking about mental illness or mental health, actually mental health with our children to not say disparaging things about mental illness or about people who struggle with mental illness and to talk with our children about things like anxiety or stress or eating disorders. And if our children hear us talk about these things, then they're more likely to approach us and have conversations as they struggle with certain things in their life, whether it's just a little minor thing Mm -hmm. or whether it's something more serious. 
I I read a statistic that was pretty shocking to me, and it said that in most cases, and this was talking about children, there is about eight years, an eight-year gap between the onset of symptoms and treatment. Eight years? Eight years. To me, that's unacceptable. If my child had a cough or a fever, I certainly wouldn't wait. Right, eight years. Right. Right. And so if if we're seeing signs of mental health issues, I, I understand sometimes we don't know what to do. We don't know how to handle it. But we do the best we can, whether it's talking to a pediatrician, whether it's talking to a counselor at school, whether it's talking to a therapist or another parent. Um, we can we can model what good mental health looks like for our children. What We can take care of our, our own needs, our self-care, like we talked about, whether it's going to therapy, whether it's doing meditation or, or exercising to elevate our mood. Um and teaching our kids ways to cope when they go through some of these difficult things, reading books together, um, learning about the brain and, and facing things head on when there's something like anger or negative thought patterns. These things might not prevent a mental illness from arising, but it sets the stage for us to take care of those things in a healthy, when we have concerns, we can take care of them in a healthy way. And, Hopefully, we and our children will be more open to treatment if it becomes necessary in the future. Melanie, well said. Well (laughs) said. And I think that sometimes, especially if we're noticing certain um, issues that may be prevalent with our younger kids, we kind Mm -hmm. of think it's our fault. As parents, right. like, like, sure, you hear about adults with mental health issues mm-hmm. and you think it's more socially acceptable nowadays and more normal. And But for kids, it feels like if my child is depressed or anxious or clingy or, what you know, like we've seen it manifested in lots of different ways in our children. And right. we think, well, they just have to get over it or we need to do something different because right. we're contributing to it. But that's not how – imbalances work in the brain like you said the the brain is sick so there shouldn't be that shame and I love how you're talking about it to help to help eliminate the shame surrounding it because it's just a sickness of the brain I love that that is power certainly we want to be the best parents we can be be intentional yeah but mental health issues aren't caused by yes. perfect parenting. Right. <laughs> right. We didn't create them. We yes. didn't cause cause these problems, just like we don't cause any other illnesses our, our children go through. Mm, mm, that is so powerful. And I'm sure somebody listening is going to think a little bit more empowered in terms of how they might approach this with, the, with their child. Wow. That is so well said. Oh, my gosh. Well, I just – this just struck me. I just wanted to give you a chance – to tell me about Aaron. What okay. what do you love about him? Tell us a little bit about your son. Well, I do love talking about him. And I know sometimes people don't want to bring him up because they're afraid it will, you know, make me sad or or whatever. It's just hard a hard thing to talk about. But, oh, my goodness. Um, Aaron, from the, his birth, his pre- the pregnancy with him, his birth was very easy. And... It's, it's, his life continued that way. He was the most calm, even-tempered, easygoing child. He was 
really was a joy to raise. And I'm not just saying that looking back, you know, mm-hmm. he, he really was compared with, compared with our other <laughs> children. He was, he, my husband agrees with me. He, he was definitely the easiest. Yeah. He, he was very, very intelligent, very thoughtful. He, we've loved reading through some of his, some of his journals. Um, and deep, deep, he was a deep thinker, you know, mm-hmm. deep thinker. Um, he had kind of a funny thing he did with my, my sister. Um, they would text back and forth and he would make up these, sometimes they were real quotes from philosophers and sometimes they were made up funny ones, um, <laughs> that he attributed to philosophers to see if she could catch him. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, just kind of, kind of a, a funny thing Yeah. he would do. He loved nature and being out outdoors he when he was got his first email address it was i like to hike um that was one of his first email addresses we all have one of those yeah we all have one of those like that's not going to get you the job but okay yeah (laughs) yeah and you know um he was homeschooled um homeschooled my children and he he spent a lot of time his reading and his math even he would do outside sitting in a tree or wow. on a trampoline a lot and he he just really loved connecting with nature and the, the outdoors and that's one of the ways we feel closest to him is when we're outdoors when we're watching a beautiful sunset I took my daughter to SeaWorld um, last week and as we were we brought our lunch with us um, in the car, and we were sitting there eating it before we went into SeaWorld. And a little hummingbird came and just sat on the fence right in front of us and just sat there for about five minutes while we, we ate our lunch. It kind of would turn around so we could see the beautiful iridescent colors. And and Lavender said to me, she said, Mom, I think Aaron sent that little bird for us to, to watch, to enjoy how beautiful mm. it is. Oh. And so it's we, we feel very close to him when we see when we enjoy the beauties of, of nature. Mm, wow. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, I, I heard from somebody that writes empathy cards one time. She experienced cancer in her life, and she found that a lot of people shied away and didn't want to talk about it or ask about it. And she's like, it's almost like they were afraid to remind me that I had cancer. And I'm sure it's kind of, she's like, uh, no, no, like, I know it's, I got, I remember, you don't have to tell me I have cancer to, to know that. And I'm sure it's the same way. I mean, my friends who've experienced different losses and things, sometimes I don't know what to say or I'm afraid to make them sad, but they're already sad or they already know, yes. they already know what's going on, but it feels even more isolating when people disappear or say nothing Simply saying, simply saying what? what? What is the thing that you have been told that, that was most helpful or reassuring or comforting during this time? I think just people saying, I love you, I'm thinking of you. Uh, my husband had an experience at, at work where he went to a big business meeting with some people he hadn't seen in a while. And the elevator opened and a group of people he knew came off the elevator and he saw the look in some of their eyes, like, oh, no, it's John. What do I say? They weren't ready, you know, right. They, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. hadn't seen him since since the loss of our son. And one of, the, one of the men just came up to him and said, I have no idea what to say to you. Would it be all right if I just give you a hug? You know, oh, yeah. And so, and he, <laughs> and, 
And he did. And he was, my husband was so touched by that, that this man didn't shy away, even though he was kind of uncomfortable with the whole situation. Mm. And so I love that sort of response. I also love when people mention things about Aaron or tell me a favorite memory or share something that they loved about him. Mm. That's, that's one of my favorite favorite things or ask a question about him so that I have an opportunity to talk about him a little bit. Mm. So thank you for asking that, Jessica. That's a wonderful thing for me to be able to talk about Aaron. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm learning, you know, I'm learning all these things. And when we, Mm. when we know better, we do better. And um, so hopefully there, there will be people that maybe have a, a loved one or something that's going through something and they haven't known what to say, but maybe they'll show up today because they heard from you, Melanie. I hope so. Melanie, wow, this was incredibly inspiring. And for for talking about loss, which can be so heavy and hard, to see what you have done over the last year, um, to, to use this to, to find support, to, to bolster yourself through communities that understand what you've been through, to raise awareness and funds and to help your kids get through this. I really just am amazed by you. You are truly extraordinary and it has been such a pleasure to get to hear your story today. Thank you, Jessica. I'm, I'm grateful to have an opportunity to share it. Oh, well, you're in our extraordinary mom of the month. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. I am so inspired by Melanie. I love that we can not have a similar walk as somebody, but really learn from their journey to really enlighten our own. That's really what I got from her. So thank you, Melanie, so much for sharing your story. Thank you, Shonda, for nominating and just for taking the time. Each of them won prep dish subscriptions. Prep dish is an online online meal planning service (laughs) that can really help take the guesswork out of what you're going to feed your family. They provide grocery lists and meal plans. So it is such a great thing. Okay, and then next week, next Tuesday, I have an incredible episode for you again. Whippy's coming on the show. (laughs) Becky Crosby is better known as Whippy Online, Whippy Cake, and she is coming on the show to talk about her motherhood journey. It's not something she shares a lot about, but she has actually been through a lot in the last year that's been really transformative in her personal life, the way she views her business, and we talk about what she's really intentional with, with parenting her children. We also talk about the thing that you may not know about her. It is a really, really great episode. I loved getting to know her better, and I know you will too. So make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. And if you've not already left a review, go ahead and do that. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today, and we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.